0: We really don't know who sits on top of the mountain of judgment. Sit back, plug in, fill up your cup. This is your time. Remember, you've always had the power. Welcome to Joy Found Here.
1: Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. So you know that joy is in my title. You know that I love to find joy. Not every day is Rainbows and Unicorns, and our guest today is Rachel Dickinson, whose first line, when she described herself or her story, grabbed my attention, and I'm not even going to say what it is, that is her story to tell us, but you're going to see why, that there was a uh, life interrupted, and she has written some essays that are in a book now, I do believe, that we're going to talk about that. Writing is uh, so therapeutic. If you don't want to talk to anyone, once you do a data dump and just get it out of your mind and stop the tape from playing and get it on paper, it leaves so much room and some relief. uh, For me, I don't speak for everybody, but I think it might be a trigger topic. I'm going to give you a disclaimer. Mm -hmm. It may not be easy to listen, but as anything in life, it happens, and it happens, and we're people. And with that, we're going to solve a little bit of the mystery. I say first, everyone's like, what the hell is she talking about? What in the world? I say, welcome, Rachel. Welcome, welcome. And thank you so much for being here.
2: Oh, thank you for inviting me, Stephanie. Yes, this is the elephant in the room, particularly mm-hmm. around holidays. Yes, and I wrote a collection of essays that has been published by Cornell Press, and the book is called "The Loneliest Places: Loss, Grief, and the Long Journey Home." So that gives you some idea, some of where indication I'm coming from.
1: Indeed. Yeah. So we've, we're dealing with loss. We're dealing with death. But you are dealing don't know with,
2: that you're dealing with teen suicide. So my son, Jack, was 17 when he mm. died by suicide and we didn't see it coming. It was something that happened on a snowy February evening at eight o'clock at night. And it's something that changed our lives forever. Jack had and has three sisters, and my husband, Tim, and I and our three girls have been going through kind of tag team, I don't know, mental breakdowns, Mm -hmm. hell, good times, bad times for a decade now. And so one way I dealt with my grief was to write. Before Jack died, I was a travel writer. To many people, that's the dream job. It's a hard job in a way because you are going to places and you're on some kind of an assignment doing something mm-hmm. and a deadline. So it's not just all sun and roses and just sitting on the beach and enjoying yourself. Instead, it's it might be like looking through 45 hotel rooms and having 15 spa treatments Mm -hmm. that you would never do (laughs) (laughs) under any circumstances.
1: So it is work. Let's not,
2: we forget that it is work. Right, right, It's work (laughs) and it's hiking up the mountain and, you know, skiing down the other side or whatever. So it is work. So this is what I did. And I went on maybe... Six pretty extensive trips every year. So when this thing happened on February 6, 2012, it completely upended everything, including my work, what I did for a living. First, I didn't know if I'd ever be able to write anything again. It was so devastating. But before February 6, 2012, Mm -hmm. I had already made an arrangement to go to the Falkland Islands. It's off the coast of Argentina. And I mean, like, if you went down to Tierra del Fuego and just went east, you'd hit it in about 800 miles going <laughs> through the ocean. So, so it it's is really far. remote. It's far, oh. it's remote. 2,000 people live there and there are literally 700 little islands and 2,000 people live on probably 10 of those islands. So I was really looking forward to this trip. Mm. But the reason I was going was because I had an assignment to write about the 30th anniversary of the 1982 war between Argentina and the Falklands. Mm -hmm. And Many people don't remember it or they think of it as that funny little war that happened in a place. I, I've heard, heard the heard
1: name, but I don't even, you know, geographically, I was struggling. Like, who's right. where is that again? And, you know, whose island is it? Yeah, What, what right. domain are they under? <laughs> it's a protectorate of Great Britain. So that, that's what I, I, I did. remember. But, okay. yeah,
2: Argentina has always claimed it as their own territory, as well as all of Antarctica, I believe
1: but um sorry that's very funny (laughs) I know
2: so they've been Argentina and Great Britain have been in a fight over the Mm Falkland Islands since the 18th century when the first British settlers settled Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. and finally it came to a head when Argentina was going through this horrible economic trouble they were being they had a dictator and they thought okay let's just Wage war in the Falklands. That'll take everyone's mind off of what's going on. Well, fortunately for Margaret Thatcher, she was in the same boat in Britain. Mm. So she said, Yeah, we'll take you up on that. So, this Argentina invaded the Falklands and they set up their headquarters in Stanley, which is the capital of the Falkland Islands. And I think probably a thousand people live there. That's their capital city. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it threw everything into a total tizzy. They took over the capital city. They told people they had to drive on the other side of the road. They said you have to speak Spanish.
1: Oh boy. Um, everything anti English. Yes. Everything, everything anti British. Yes. Wow.
2: Completely crazy. So the Brits sent in the forces. Uh-huh. And they had a war that lasted about 80 days, I think. Mm, So this was what I was walking into. And I thought, oh, this will be really fascinating. Well, after Jack died, my family said, well, you aren't going to still do that, are you? And I said, yes, I am. I just decided I needed to get away more than ever. I just wanted to run away from home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's what I did. How soon after
0: that was it?
2: It was five weeks, okay. so it was pretty soon. So, so the
1: judges, the McJudgers are looking at the calendar ready to say,
2: really, you're
1: still going to do that?
2: There um, was that, and people yeah. worried about my health, and worried about uh, everything. Valid. very
1: valid. Yes, no, no, no. Very and valid. how could
2: Absolutely. you leave your family, basically? Uh, correct. But when I got there, what I found was this, everyone I talked to who was of a certain age who could remember the war was now being re-traumatized by celebrating this anniversary of something that had been traumatic at the time. So I wandered around these islands and you went from one island to another on this little red plain and they called it island hopping. And so you would just go over to another island and stay there and you were just it was you and the penguins and you and the sea lions and maybe five other people you know Mm -hmm, staying mm in a little guest house but anyone who had been there I would look in their face and I would talk to them about the war and I would realize oh my god I'm looking into my own face here I'm looking I was gonna say
1: how interesting
2: yeah it was the face of trauma yeah yeah Then I spent the next two years kind of sitting in a green chair in my big pink house, wrapped in a red blanket, and watched a whole lot of television. I watched every single British police procedural ever made, but I was trying to solve The Mystery of Why Jack Died. Your mystery, yes. I Mm. had my own mystery to solve. So I, we spent a long time together, me and the Brits. And then I started writing again. I hadn't thought I would ever write again, but I started writing poetry. I'm not a poet. Mm -hmm. I have a year's worth of incredibly bad poetry that will never see the light of day, Mm -hmm. but it unlocked the words. And I... I draw a lot of solace from nature, and so a lot of my poetry and even a lot of my essays kind of, there's a focus of nature that's in there somewhere, or landscape becomes very important to me, so I think maybe I was figuring out new nature metaphors, I don't know what I was doing with those poems, mm-hmm. but they're bad,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> so rest really assured, bad. I assure exactly. you, they're bad. <laughs>
2: Then I started writing these. I wrote a couple of books in between, and then just history books, things I didn't have to think about except for research. Uh-huh. And those were really good for me because I could just dive into whatever the research was that I had to do. But on the side, I was starting to think about how to process. All this stuff that was happening, the grief that was going on that I was tamping down. And, you know, I was looking for some kind of routine and some kind of way to think my way through it. And for Mm -hmm. me, it was riding my way through it. And I also continued to travel, make some trips, went to Italy, went to various places and did a little bit of travel riding. But basically, a lot of it was to run away from home. You were keeping busy. Yeah. I also found that if I was here, Mm. I felt like I couldn't go anywhere in my own territory because chances were very good that I would run into someone I knew or the parent of Jack's friends or I would see this look in someone's eye in the grocery store and I would realize they're thinking, Oh, Oh. there's the woman whose son. Dot dot dot. So then it became, you know, if they didn't duck down an aisle and completely avoid me, we would come face to face, and no one knows what to say, and no no. one knows. I'll tell you what you
1: say. Please, please,
2: most appropriate, and the thing that just makes it all okay is for someone to just say. I am so sorry. I heard the news and I'm just so very sorry. That's all you have to say. That's it. Nothing more. That is it. And I think with someone who you just know as an acquaintance or your mother was friends with, I would, if I saw someone crossing the street or ducking down an aisle in a store, I remembered that. And so I remembered to kind of say something first next time I saw them. And then just, if they didn't want to mention it, that's Mm -hmm. fine. I just, you know, made a normal, as normal conversation as I could at the time. But I'm sure that much of the time I looked like a crazy lady.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine what's going on internally in the head. And then you're out trying to, again, oh, let me run to the store because we need this. Let me, you know, Mm -hmm. stop and get a card. Let me, let me, let me. But you're still,
2: (laughs) you're just reeling from it. And you honestly don't know when you're going to have a wave wash over you and Uh you will turn into a puddle and you try to avoid it. But man, I remember the times it happened, like at a swim meet, you know, in the grocery store and where I had to go and try to hide somewhere just to try to pull myself together. And so I didn't go out a whole lot, except to places where no one knew me and where Jack had for, never been. Or
1: your story. Oh, and then where he's oh. never been. Yes, okay. that
2: I, like, developed these rules for myself. Okay,
1: okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> I was going to say. it started with the Falklands.
2: It's like, okay, he's never been here. So I'm not going to see him out of the corner of my eye, and he's not going to be around a corner, and he's not going to be in with that group of kids over there. And part of it was like, okay, the landscape is all new. I'm looking at the grasses are different, the birds are different, things are all different, and Jack won't be here. And that is good, because everything will be foreign. It's when I was exploring my own countryside around here, my own, the landscape of home is what turned into the minefield, really.
1: So interesting.
2: Yeah, it's where I had to be careful.
1: So that's you and, and there are four other people. Immediate in his yes. family, also affected in probably four very, very different ways. Some yes. similar, but very, very different. And then you, as the mother, wanting mm-hmm. to at some point make sure everybody's okay.
2: Yeah, <laughs> only with me, I wasn't very good at that part, apparently. Okay. I found that out much later that first of all, as I'm writing these essays, I'm trying to think, what did we eat? Like, how did we get food? Did I cook stuff? You know, the basic Mm. things. I could not remember how we took care of the most basic things in our lives. And And just because
1: you couldn't remember doesn't mean you didn't do it. Doesn't mean maybe you didn't do a grilled cheese or put the mac and cheese in the microwave. Exactly. But I think you're almost thinking, let's just go to the extreme that, oh, damn it, man! I don't think I fed them for six months, but thank (laughs) God they survived.
2: No, here's what happened. I did figure out what happened. When I was finishing up this collection, my Mm -hmm. editor said to me, we... Don't hear anything really about your daughters or Tim. And why is that? And I said, well, for one thing, I'm not telling their story. I'm telling my story and Uh my reaction to things. And I feel like they have their own story to tell. And they're all writers and they'll do it, you know, at some point, as is my husband. So when I, it came to writing one of the last essays, I sent them all an email and I said, could you write something to me about the time after Jack died and how you felt and how you managed to make your way through this? Well, they all got in touch with Tim and were very upset because they realized that I didn't know <laughs> mm-hmm. that Tim basically took care of them for two years, I was gone. I was traveling. And even when I was here, I was not here. I was sitting in this green chair wrapped in that Mm -hmm. red blanket and Mm -hmm. I was unavailable to them. And as I read their responses, I felt my face getting red and like I was going Mm. to cry. And then I started thinking, oh, I was kind of raised this way as well. It made me start thinking back, like, why was that my response? And I realized that when tough things happened in my family when I was growing up, my mother retreated. This was Ah, what I grew up with. This was my model. It was the model. Mm -hmm. And it hadn't Mm -hmm. occurred to me that there would be this kind of generational aspect to figuring out how you deal with difficult things. Uh-huh. So that was quite the shock. So we have Tim to thank for making sure the girls were fed and watered there you go. and walked. Thank you, yeah. Tim.
1: Exactly. Yes. But it's interesting how you took that because quite honestly, if you hadn't had asked them, I don't know what story you're like, well, like, like I said, Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you, you put mac and cheese. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's so interesting, and and up until then, nothing was wrong. You didn't retreat, so they didn't right. know that. They didn't see that. They didn't see how comfortable you were in that chair. And God, she hasn't moved for two years.
2: Exactly. Well, they apparently did all see that
1: because I, <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't moving. Yeah,
2: I knew a whole lot about British television, but I did not know what they ate for dinner. Yeah. And that's how that turned out. So this book was a way to kind of interrogate all of those things. You figure out why you behave the way you do. Why was this my reaction? Why is it that I love landscape? Why is it I made rules when I traveled? And you go on and on and they turn into this group of essays where you ask questions like, what is hope? What does hope even mean? And then you write about it that's what my book is, is me asking myself questions like, how did I get this way? Or what was I like as a teenager? How was I different from my teenagers? And Mm. you end up with a book of essays.
1: So I'm going to just ask a personal question, if that's okay. Did Jack not leave a note?
2: You know, he did leave a note, but but it didn't
1: provide answers
2: well that wasn't it i've never read it the sheriff sheriff's department took it and i didn't see it and when they returned it it was many months later i didn't even know it existed and tim read it and he said don't read it and i said "Okay." okay he was mad at everyone he was just furious with the world Mm -hmm. and he did this impulsive act right he was 17 which is the perfect time for the impulsive act and it's not like he didn't think about the future he did he had applied to colleges and Mm -hmm. He bugged me the day before about, make sure you do that financial aid form.
0: And, (laughs) you know, he was
2: completely engaged in all of that. He had a lot of friends. He sang in a choir. He played in a band. He did all of the things that really active teenagers do. But there was a dark side. And we just didn't know how dark it was. So it was a bit of a shock.
1: So it's interesting and how prevalent it is now, today's world, you know, this post-COVID, these kids, these it's heartbreaking. Yes, it is. I don't know. And and with even more social media than it was 10 years ago.
2: It is interesting because I read studies about this, but I also was talking to someone this morning about this very thing. And I Mm -hmm. said, There are studies that show that teen suicide has increased by X amount. And I said, I thought it was so interesting because they have access to all this social media and they're always talking in one way or another with their friends. And he realized it's just physically being in the presence of other people. That's so important. And that's what they weren't getting.
1: Right. They're getting words on a screen. Yeah. Where you can't hear tone. And then how many times have we interpreted a text or an email and, you know, and you're reading it with attitude and you're like, yes, as-
2: it's really, really powerful yeah. and it can be used for good and for evil.
1: Or they're so, tattoos. They can yeah. be tattoos and they could yeah. be, I love mom or they could yeah. be other or ones, hate, you know, or I hate
2: mom. Right.
1: And you don't realize how somebody has taken something. And it might've been something not that you even said today or yesterday.
2: And when you're a kid, it's very hard to parse that. And it's hard not to take everything personally at that moment. And that your idea of the future is so different from the time you're a kid to when you're in your thirties and you have this a little more perspective on how the world works. So this is what happens to these kids. And now with the holidays coming upon us, it's uh-huh. a topic. This is okay. the first couple years. we always had a big family Thanksgiving, and that was the first big holiday we were coming up to. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I didn't want to go. I didn't want to participate. right. Mm-hmm. And I think that I went at the last minute, and I know that, It would be like 15 family members and all of us live in the village, basically. So it's like Uh people carrying casseroles to one person's house. Right. And I remember it being very subdued because no one felt good. No one felt like this was going to be any fun at all. And we didn't know what to be thankful for, except for the fact that we were all in the room, I guess. It's hard hard. and
1: you don't want to be the first person in the room to make a joke. Are we allowed to laugh? And when do you give yourself permission (laughs) to be like, oh, that was pretty funny. I think I'm going to laugh. I I can be happy now. It doesn't mean that my love for him. Oh, it doesn't stop. Like I can still be happy for a moment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because happiness, it's just a fleeting feeling it's not something that rains on you and says, yeah. okay, Rachel, now you're happy.
2: No. It also it really reminds me when I think back on it of remember how we all behaved after nine eleven, particularly those of us who live in New York. Uh-huh. Yep. Or in Washington. Yep. It's like you weren't allowed to be happy somber, or tell no. jokes. You had no. to be somber. Very somber. Yeah. This mm-hmm. was, we had our own little 9 11 happen, Correct. you know, Correct. in our village. And it was the same thing. Like, how do you react? And when can you have a normal conversation? I don't know if it happened that first year because there was always yeah. an empty yeah. place at that table. Right. right. And Christmas. Oh, my goodness, uh, Christmas. Same yeah. thing. It yeah. started with the pulling at stuff out of the tubs, the Christmas stuff. And you uh-huh, thinking, uh-huh. how can we even have a tree? And then I pull out four stockings, stockings for four yes. children. Yes. And I put one back in the tub and then took to my room. And I thought, I just can't be part of this whole thing. And I knew I had to be somewhat present at least for my kids they were feeling the same way but so christmas is tough and the holidays are so fraught with everything you turn on the television and there are 500 movies about christmas so i watched one and i thought wow If I had seen one of those when I was at my saddest, which was that first or second Christmas, Uh I would have broken that television set, Uh would have thrown something at it because that is not the world. The world doesn't happen like that.
1: Believe me, I'm not tied into any date on a calendar and we've never been that I'll say kind of Mm -hmm. family where we've perfected what we call non-parties. We've perfected (laughs) Easter Saturday because my daughter (laughs) was in college. And the first year, it was such a rush because she had to get back. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, meanwhile, she didn't have class on Fridays. We kind of hung out on Saturday and it dawns on me. I'm like, why didn't we just do this yesterday?
0: This was what, what in the world
1: is happening here? So next year, I'm like, it's Easter Saturday. Come on. This is when we're doing it. Kind of everybody. And they're like, yeah, but no, I'm like it's Easter Saturday. And it's Christmas could be yeah. any day. Yes. Just call yes. It. Just call it. Just gather. Yes. And, and we always take pressure off by calling it a non-party. We're like, no, is this a party? No, it's a non-party. non-party. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah.
2: I yeah. never thought of that. There's non-party. So
1: and it takes weight. A, It's just, let's see how this, we're going to just cook something. We'll have a drink of the day, non-party.
2: Okay. I like that. That might be making the way to the table this year. I hope so.
1: A non-party. Yeah. Yeah. It's yours. Take it.
2: Yeah. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And my next essay will be called, (laughs) The Non-Party. The
1: Non-Party. It's the expectation, gone. Mm -hmm. The history, the tradition, it's gone. Because mm-hmm. now change is good. Let's welcome it. Because you have no other choice.
2: That's true. As things change around, you either embrace it or become the dinosaur and wait for the meteor to strike. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It could be bad. <laughs> that ends it up may- very badly.
1: I was gonna say <laughs> th- yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, not good for the Spoiler dinosaur. Spoiler
1: alert. I just started. Sorry, that's right. If you wanted to read to the end, this is uh Well, I'm so glad, you know, I appreciate your bravery. I appreciate bringing the elephant in and giving the elephant a name and introducing the elephant. And hopefully it frees people to don't be scared.
2: Well, everyone has their own grief journey. And honestly, Mm -hmm. no two are alike. You don't ever let anyone tell you that they're alike because it takes the time it takes, period. And that's it. And you know, things, they come and go, but boy, it just takes the time it takes.
1: It absolutely does. And and it's funny. I mean, after all of these years, my mother is gone what, 36 years. I was pregnant mm-hmm. with my oldest. And again, just when I think I've got it, yeah. Song on the radio, no matter what yes. light doesn't matter. Yeah. Forget, I don't need the holidays. No, no, yeah. I don't need them. It's just ra- such randomness. that what
2: it is, and that's what memory is yeah. all about. That's like what it people is. Yeah, who study yeah. memory and they say, oh, you can have the smell of something that can remind absolutely. you of absolutely of something your mother or grandmother yeah. cooked, yeah. and it's all about these mementos there you can't explain them to the outside world you know what they mean to you
1: yeah it is is, interesting it's really really interesting so tell me again the name of the book
2: yes the book is called the loneliest places loss grief and the long journey home and it's published by cornell university press and it came out in october of this year and it is in paperback and Kindle and Audible, and I read oh. the narration. So oh,
1: then I'm going to get it on. I love. Good. I'm such an Audible. Good. I'm such an Good. Audible fan, and I love when the Good. author reads it. It, it, well, it just brings so much to that.
2: Yeah, and so I think, as you'll see from the Amazon reviews, I mean, people have found this book to really help them in some way and and this is what I hoped that just these random essays would somehow give people an idea of this is one person's journey and it's Mm -hmm. not like mine but boy I can appreciate what she has to
1: say well it's given validation in life yes and it's validation in life and again we go through life really thinking we're the only ones I was recording earlier with someone and I said that, I said, you know, when we were talking about, you know, oh, my audience, I'm like, I'm doing this for me. You know, I do mm-hmm. this podcast for me. I'm curious. I know I want that. Valid- I want to be heard. I want to be seen. And and I'm curious about others. Mm-hmm. And will people hear it? I'm so grateful. Yes, they will. And yeah. Believe me, more than one will land on where it needs to, like that little butterfly, will land where it needs to. And that person will hear it on the day they need to hear it.
2: That's what I'm thinking and hoping. And I am literally selling this book one book at a time out of the trunk of my car, basically. (laughs) But it's gotten a lot of buzz from just... People realizing, oh, I'm not alone in this journey. And once they
1: know that, yes, it makes you know that weight is now retired. And now that you know it makes room for other emotions and other feelings that need to be worked on and such. But yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, you're such such a gift. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. You know, (laughs) you had to be the warrior for it. And, you know, you had to go through, you had to walk through the, the fiery coals to deliver it.
2: Well, I appreciate you saying that. And if it can help someone else make that same journey, I will have done my job.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. And thank uh, you. I can't wait to hear or read about the first non-party <laughs> of many, I'm sure. Definitely try it. You're going to really enjoy it. I will. I <laughs> love the idea. Taking it. All right. We're going <laughs> to okay. have the link for the book in our show notes. And then okay. is there a website? Do you hang out anywhere?
2: I'm on Facebook Twitter and Instagram. I'm also a painter, so you just see a lot of my semi bad oil paintings if you visit any of those spots.
1: So it's okay, we will have our links in the show notes. Be prepared Sorry. for Be <laughs> <laughs> <Keep> prepared. <laughs> She's already given you, don't you know, I have keep the, bar I've low. You. Keep the bar low. It's very right. easy. I love it. All right, everybody. thank, okay. you, thank you Thank you. Thank you. This one was really good. I'm sure as we think about it, people at the holiday time, someone may just need a little extra hug. Give it to yeah. them. You don't, you don't have to it. say anything. You don't have to say anything. Don't let words get in the way. Give them a hug.
2: You're so wise. How did that
1: happen? Just, just give them a hug. That's all That's I'm going to say. Just okay. Say nothing. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Uh, I wish I could. I'll send it yes, over to you. virtual. Indeed, okay. indeed. And everybody, thank you, thank you. Website, joyfoundhere.com. Comments, yes, yes, yes. Five-star reviews. We love them. Keep them coming. And uh, till the next time, be well.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to head over to joyfoundhere.com for any questions, comments, and feedback. Until next week, keep your head up and your crown straight. You've got this.